0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connected, which is a City Collective podcast, and I am so excited for the person I have on today. She is one of the co-planters of City Collective. Um, It's Kristen Moore. She's married to Matt, and she has been on this journey the entire time of City Collective's um, story. She was instrumental in so many things that have happened in our church and the vision behind it and the dream behind it. And she has done all of this while managing to newly be a mother of two children um, and still be a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so I'm so excited to have Kristen to, to talk today. Um, how are you doing, Kristen?
1: Hey, thanks, Brooke. That's very kind. I am doing well.
0: Are you um, managing to keep your sanity kind of in the midst of all of this with two kids in a house?
1: You know, working on it, it is definitely a change being home 24-7 with two kids, um, two and under, I guess you could say now, since Ezra just turned two. Um, yep, every day is a new adventure, but I think slowly we're figuring it out, and just new, normal of sorts. That feels very strange. Um But, yeah, yeah, we're doing okay.
0: Plus, you have to put up with Matt all day and his jokes.
1: Yeah, true. True, true, true. uh,
0: Send prayers to the Moore household. Um,
1: (laughs) Thoughts and prayers.
0: Yes. Um, But I know that um, so much of, like, what I've talked about with people kind of in this season of coronavirus and social distancing. And I know that yesterday, I think it was yesterday, President Trump announced that April 30th is the date that we're looking to get back to normalcy or we won't get back to normalcy until at least then, it may still be longer. Um, And so people are in their homes and they are isolated or social distanced or however you want to say it. Um, And so I've had a lot of conversations just around this idea of mental health because a lot of people honestly, um, they've been really struggling through this and they have been um, trying to figure out what it looks like to have a good mental health life in this season that is so new to so many of us. And so um, I'm really excited to talk with you about it. How did you kind of get into the mental health field? Was that something you always wanted to do or did you discover that in college or what was that like?
1: Hmm, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was reflecting on this a little bit earlier And it's interesting to kind of look back and see different threads. It definitely wasn't like a um, streamlined journey. (laughs) I think it took a lot of choosing different paths and realizing like, oh, this isn't for me Um, and trying to just figure out what would be a good fit for me professionally and what I felt called to. Um, A couple of things I did think about was just different moments in my life that maybe um, sort of like. I guess prompted me to, to start thinking about um, being a counselor, what that would be like. One was in high school. I had a close friend who struggled with um, clinical depression, um, suicidality, so suicidal thoughts. Um, and I just really felt for that friend. Um, I just felt the heaviness of it. And I felt very frustrated with not being able to help or not knowing what to say or not knowing how to be there for them in the best way, and so I think that was really the first time that I was exposed to uh, mental health in any form, and so I think that that was, that's kind of the earliest thread that I see, Um, and then there's a couple seasons in my life where I've dealt with depressive seasons um, or anxiety. I actually had um, my freshman year of college, I had like pretty significant anxiety, but I didn't know that's what it was, <laughs> so yeah, it was very definitely. confusing for me, and it's only since I've been a counselor and I've been reflecting back that I was like, oh, like, that's what was really going on, you know, that's why it was so hard, that's why everything was so hard, because it was affecting everything about me, um, and I wish at that time someone had named that or had said, like, mm. hey, you really need to go see a counselor or, like, there's someone that could help you with this, um, but I just didn't know, and so I think that that's definitely a thread as well. And then um, in college, I changed my major multiple times. This is what I'm kind of saying about the path not being linear. Um, Yeah. And I knew that I'd always thought about being a therapist. Um, I knew that I was a good listener, which is funny because that's what people um, kind of like the cliche thing to say in interviews, right? Like, I'm a great listener. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I think I am really a good listener. And so I think I told people like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be a counselor. And I vividly remember someone telling me like, oh, like you don't want to do that. That's too heavy. And so mm. I was like, oh, okay. Like maybe I don't. And now looking back, especially being an Enneagram nine, I can see how easily influenced I was. In, and yeah. in, in hearing that from someone else and just trusting their thought or comment or judgment above like knowing myself and my calling So it kind of, I feel like it kind of sent me on like a roundabout loop to get back there and to be able to really affirm like, no, this is what I feel called to and gifted in. And this is what I would like to pursue. So I ended up majoring in middle school education, um, which I really liked. Um, More so, I liked the theory. And then I did student teaching and I had a a good experience, but I knew through that, like, okay, this isn't what I'm called to do. And one reason I did that was because I wasn't, even though I, was interested in therapy the undergrad would be getting a psychology degree and I wasn't um I wasn't like so sure that I was willing to like hedge my bets on a psychology degree and then not be able to do a thing with it <laughs> that's kind of my fear yeah, and so it's like, kind of a gamble right and so and again this is kind of back to me like doubting myself you know like I yeah um I guess I didn't have the awareness to say like you no, know, like this is what I want to do and I'm going to pursue it so, I basically did teaching, so I'm like, oh, like this is like a good fallback career, and like, maybe I'll like it, and maybe I'll do that instead. And so, it took me right. to student teaching to realize, like, um, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, they say and, you know at that point.
1: Yes. Oh, you, yeah, when you're in it, you know. Um, but what I did realize is what I loved about teaching was when I got to work one-on-one with okay. kids. And so, I think that the one-on-one relationships really stood out to me. And, um, and like that started just thinking, okay, what is a good fit for me, um, personally, like personality wise? And I knew that, like, the one on 22 dynamic wasn't great for me, um, that right. I thrived in, like, one on one settings and I thrived more with, um, just like being more centered around relationships. I also did that a interpersonal youth in- relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also did a youth internship. Um, during my time in college. And, um, I think through that, working with some of the teen girls, I kind of had the same realization. Like I definitely, I was like, Oh, I definitely can't be a youth minister. That's not a good fit for me. Um, but I love this one-on-one dynamic. And I actually had a girl that was in our youth group who was dealing with some, um, some PTSD and some, some things. And we had just talked about her going to counseling and she had different reservations and I remember her saying, um, if you could just be my counselor, then I would go. Like I would do Mm -hmm. counseling. If you could just be my counselor. Um, and I remember at that point I was about to be like a junior in college and to be a counselor, you have to finish college obviously, and then go to grad school. So I'm like, I'm like years away from being a counselor. Um, but I remember being like, I wish I could, I wish I could. And so I think that that's another thread that I see like a very personal way um, just kind of connecting with this people that it's like, mm. okay, I can't be your counselor obviously, or I can't be my friend's counselor, but I could be a counselor and learn to sit with people, um, yeah. that have similar experiences and, um, and bring what I feel called to and what I feel gifted in, um, and to just sit with them in that space. And so I think yeah. that just kind of all those things coming together is what, um, what kind of prompted me to go to grad school immediately after I finished my student teaching
0: okay. um,
1: and so yeah so then I, I started grad school and I did some photography while I was working on grad school um, and then obviously I work as a therapist now
0: yeah that is so cool uh, man there is just so much to like dive into in all of that I know so for me um, and for probably for a lot of people we probably don't have A ton of experience with mental health. We probably have more so now than we did five years ago or even three years ago just with all of the awareness that's been done Mm -hmm. around it. But I know I remember vividly in second or third grade my um, parents had just gotten divorced and they were like do you want to go see someone and talk about it? And I remember feeling like this really strong urge inside to be like no 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 like I don't need to. Mm -hmm. And um, this urge to almost in my head fight for what I believe to be normalcy and to be someone who's a normal kid. Um, That's like what kind of I was believing in that time. And I feel like a lot of us in, in church we've kind of done this thing where, or we've been raised in a, in an environment where we think, okay, if we just do things right and if we just live normal lives and if we just, um, go to church or whatever the thing is, then we won't necessarily need this. Um, and, that is just a, like a stereotype and kind of a narrative that I know I've had to fight against and push back against. Because when I got to college, kind of like what you said, um, it was a totally different world for me. When I realized that just because a thought came in my head, it didn't mean I, had it, mm-hmm. and it didn't mean helpful or true or even from the Holy Spirit, but that it could be this thing called anxiety, um, and that I didn't necessarily have like control over just living a normal life and not struggling with it. Mm -hmm. um and I think that so many people are probably scattered in homes all across our city all across the world and they're beginning to encounter these mental hurdles and these mental struggles that we now have language with but um how have you kind of like experienced just the redemption of any of those narratives in your own mind I don't know if you had any of those narratives but if you did like how have you experienced the redemption of any of those narratives and for someone who is, like, maybe a little bit hesitant to talk about mental health or anything like that in this season, like, what would you kind of, like, speak into that?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I, I love the story that you shared and um, the early experience and then in college and just the different realizations that you've had. Um I think I've had a similar experience, and I think um, a lot of people assume that counseling is just for people with mental health diagnoses, um, and that's true. I think everyone can really benefit from counseling in different seasons of our lives. Um, but I remember in when I was in college, um, there was a time a few years later after what I was talking about earlier that um, I did go see the counselor on campus. And um, I was pretty nervous about it. But I think even at that time, a misconception that I had that I think a lot of people have about counseling is that um, counselors are like advice givers and that we go to kind of get A, B, C, here's how you solve your problem. And therefore, kind of like you alluded to, it's we have this like resistance in us where it's like, well, I don't I don't need someone to tell me what to do or like, I don't need help. I can do it on my own. Like, you know, like emotional handy
0: people, like fix people kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or like, well, if I go to counselor, then, you know, that's like weak faith or something, um, praying hard enough. And um, I'm very much of the mindset that all truth is God's truth. And so I think that um, prayer and spirituality and like being with God absolutely is so essential in our mental health, but he's also given us um, resources and helpers and like that's God's truth too. You know, I believe that he, he desperately wants healing and restoration for this world And that comes in a lot of different ways. And so as much of that as we can access to work towards healing and um, through that, you know, I think the Holy Spirit can work in a lot of different ways. So um, anyway, so I went to the the counselor with this kind of misconception. And I was just at that time in my life, I was very um, I was very burdened by a lot of things and very emotional. um, And I was like having trouble. Like living my day-to-day life and doing the things that I needed to do because I just wanted to like burst out in tears all the time. Um, I just didn't have a lot of awareness for what was really going on. And I remember, and I, I went into counseling, and she basically asked me like, um, what I wanted out of counseling. And I was like, yeah, I was just hoping you could kind of give me like, here's some tips on how not to cry.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And
1: she just kind of looked at me with like a straight face, and I quickly realized that was like not what she did. Yeah. Um, But it was, like, it was so healing, even in just one session, because she told me the opposite of what I really wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. And um, she was like, why are you resisting feeling emotion? Um, She was like, it's okay to feel emotion. And, like, you have a lot on your plate. Like, allow yourself to feel that emotion. And so on one hand, I was so frustrated because I was like, you don't understand. I do not want to cry in my social studies class, you know. But honestly, like mental health-wise, like that's what I needed emotional health-wise is I needed to just feel my emotion because the more I was trying to like hold in or act like it wasn't there, like the more that it was taking over me. And so I think that's so applicable for this season because we are all experiencing this pandemic in different ways. And I think it can strike on a lot of our different emotions, you know, anger, fear, anxiety, um, depression, worry, shame. Like, I mean in any, in any way it can manifest yeah. itself. And sometimes we realize it and sometimes we don't. And I think, um, like it's important that we feel our emotion, you know? And I think a lot of, a lot of what we feel is grief and, um, with grief, it's the only way through it is to feel it and to experience it. And so to allow ourselves to grieve and to grieve the loss of our normalcy or to grieve the connection that we normally have, um, you know, being able to experience that emotion. But I do think it's important to balance that, obviously. Um, I think we can all recognize times in our lives where we feel an emotion to a um, appropriate degree. And then there's kind of the point where we start to spiral. Um, right. So I know, like, I know, like I've learned a little bit like what that looks like for me and kind of my warning signs, but I think that's important to navigate in this season. Um because I think very quickly we could spiral into um, just sitting in our motion all the time or getting so down that we're not like experiencing life. And so I think there's definitely um, there's a balance there. Right. Um, I yeah. don't know. Does that make sense?
0: No. Yeah. So it sounds kind of like what you're saying. And you can help maybe correct some of this if I'm wrong. So I'm trying to. um I guess internalize it and say what I'm hearing what I'm hearing is that it's it seems like our emotions have a purpose um, Mm -hmm. but these the the purpose of these emotions can't be realized if they lay dormant or repressed Mm. and um, that these emotions are meant to be processed in healthy ways because there is a limit where it seems to be gluttonous or something like that if we give our emotions too much but that they have a purpose to be processed and that in that we can actually draw closer to God and to kind of like a more holistic um, understanding of ourselves. Is that kind of what you were getting at?
1: Yeah, I love that. That was great. Yeah, I love that you kind of hinted at um, it's important to process that emotion and to feel that, but our emotions don't have to drive us either, right? Mm. Like just because yeah. we feel a certain way doesn't mean that we're doomed to to live into this black hole. Right. Um, right. I think that like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of thought work that we can do. That's really important. Um, and there's just a lot of, there's a ways to, to walk in that responsibly and with balance.
0: Right. I mean, even the the language around it, it's, I never realized this until now, but, when we talk about emotions, we talk about mental health because it's it seems like it's like a if 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 we can make it a concept, we're more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Just like how uncomfortable we are with the idea of emotions in general as a culture. Um, so I think that's that's so fascinating. Um, yeah, what are some like? maybe helpful practices that you have experienced or walked in or that you would maybe say to someone, hey, like, if you're experiencing feelings of like isolation, shame, anything like that in this season, like, what are some helpful kind of like practices that um, as a licensed counselor, like, you would say, hey, these are like really, really helpful practices in this season, or these are things I would definitely make sure and do?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. So I think, um, you know, an obvious, I guess what seems obvious one is to externalize it um as you can and so getting it from our head to an external source so either that could look like processing it with someone else and um and maybe even coaching them up to say like i don't need you to give me advice <laughs> um i just need you to listen um i just hmm. need someone to listen i need to externalize it sometimes that that's so like help. helping
0: someone help us I yes guess, exactly mm-hmm. okay
1: um or you can do that through writing writing is a great way to externalize as well um just being able to write down what you're feeling and it doesn't have to be pretty or um flow well and you can rip it up or burn it after if you don't want to read it again but i think just that physical act of getting it from our heads into um the atmosphere i guess i don't know what else you would say um whatever it is is. really helpful and that's a way to process right because as long as Sometimes I think we think, oh, I'm just going to keep thinking about it, and I'm processing by thinking about it, but that kind of just, that I think can lead to spiraling very quickly, Um, so Mm -hmm. I think externalizing is the first one, and um, another thing I think is to connect with people, and so whether that's a mental health professional um, or just a trusted friend, um, I think that's really important is the connection piece. Brittany Brown talks a lot about empathy and connection and shame, and she says that shame cannot live or thrive where there is connection um okay and so it's so important to be able to be vulnerable with other people and to experience connection and that's our our biggest defense against feeling shame or living into that um another thing i would say is mindfulness (laughs) at the risk of sounding kind of like woo -woo, uh, i guess no, My yeah, influence. definitely. I <laughs> think it's
0: important to, like, say, like, as followers of Jesus, like, there are things that are helpful, and just because um, a movement that we're not comfortable with, like, say something like New Age or something like that, just because it's it's associated with it or they have used it, it doesn't necessarily discredit the practice, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Again, all truth is God's truth, so we don't have to be afraid of these things that are maybe new to us, because um, I think God can use a lot of different things to heal and so mindfulness and meditation are both, um, extremely helpful and there's tons of different kinds of meditations. Um, there is, there's a lot of apps that are focused around meditation. There's an app called calm that I really like that. There's a breathing feature that it just walks you through breathing slowly. Um, mm-hmm. it's great. I love it. I use it personally all the time. Um, yeah. but mindfulness is just bringing your attention to the present moment. And so I think specifically in this season where, like you said, um, you know, now it's April 30th and maybe it's longer and we don't really know how long it's going to last, that we can easily get overwhelmed by that. We can get discouraged and we can think, oh, my gosh, it's only been a few weeks and I have time left and we can just get um, just really down about that. And I, I find myself even getting down about that at different times. Um, and so and this also applies to anxiety um, because anxiety Sort of puts our mind into the future, right? We start thinking right. like too big. So mindfulness just brings our attention back to the present moment. And so, um, very practically, like focusing on your senses: like what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I touching? Um, hmm. Let me feel my feet on the ground. You know, what does the ground feel like under my feet? What is the, um, what does the chair feel like? under my legs or you know what colors am I seeing what am I hearing and then you can even if you want to take it a step further you can even start focusing on the senses you can say okay I'm going to name five things that I see or five colors that I see um I'm gonna you know feel four things that I can touch um you know is there any other three sounds that I can hear and I think even just stopping to like I love, I love that one, stopping to listen to the sounds and then just picking one and focusing on that sound for a minute is really grounding, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you can even do, is there anything that I can taste right now? Is there anything I can smell? And that sounds, it almost sounds over simplistic, but what it does is it just brings our attention back to our body because we've kind of gone into our mind and we've gone into the future and everywhere else. So it brings our attention back to our body, back to the present moment, Back to the minute second that we're in, right? Um, so we're just kind of yeah. like shrinking the screen, and that can just it's, just it's just really grounding, you know. Um, and I think we can even just like just give that moment to to the Lord and so, say, Okay, God, in this moment, what do you have for me? Or, um, Lord, what is your invitation for me in this moment, right? And then praying about what your next right thing is from there. There's a podcast that um, I really love by Emily Free. Emily Freeman, and that's what she, Emily P. Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay, got it. Um, That's what that's what she talks about is just what is your next right thing? And so not thinking 10 steps ahead, not thinking 10 days ahead, but um, in this next 10 minutes, what are your next right thing? And so um, I think we can look to God for that. God, what is my next right thing? What is your invitation for me yeah. here and now?
0: Yeah, and so um, like as you just kind of talk about people like needing to to take emotions out of their head and to process them and feel them and externalize them or whatever it is like i just my mind is brought back to the countless stories we have in scripture where people would be lamenting and grieving and they would be literally tearing their robes and i always thought that was like a strange thing and it was always one of those things that when we preached on it we would just kind of say oh this was a cultural thing and not really touch on it but I'm just curious as to maybe that was like God's people, like processing through their emotions in a healthy way for all of time. And so I think that it's just beautiful to continually learn and continually see how we can better, like, have a holistic approach to our mental health, how we can better um, be well rounded and like holistic humans, like, just this idea of um, wow. every facet of us. And so. Are there any other like practical tips that you would just like advise to us just kind of considering mental health and what it means to, um, do this holistically?
1: Yeah, sure. And I think even, um, expanding mental health, I like to say emotional health because sometimes people self-select out when we say mental health, even though I do think it applies to everyone. But I think for anybody's mental or emotional health is we can all take an inventory in this season and this, um this applies to therapists, this applies to, um, every person, but I just having a holistic approach because I believe, you know, obviously God made our minds and our bodies and our souls and our hearts. And he's not, um, just interested in the spiritual part, right? Um, we can't separate spiritual and, um, or I guess sacred and secular. So I think he cares very much about our whole beings. And so I think everyone can just maybe do some reflection on how is my mind, how is my body, how is my soul and how is my heart? And then how am I feeding, um, or depleting my mind, body, soul, and heart? Um, so practically maybe what that would look like, mind, um, is, you mentioned this earlier, but like, what are my thoughts? What are my thoughts centered around? Um, is there any work that I need to do there? Are there any, maybe unhelpful things that I have been dwelling on. Um, do I need to dispute those? I need to talk about those with a counselor. Um, you know, and I think also the other side of mind is like the intellectual mind. So like, what am I learning? How am I stimulating my mind? I think is, is very important just practically. Um, body is, is a really big one I think in this season is because it's so easy to, um, maybe not take care of our bodies because we don't feel a lot of maybe motivation or purpose or our routine looks different or we're not going anywhere. Um, But I think people are probably feeling the effects of this in their body. Like when we Mm. are more stationary, our bodies start to get sore. Like our bodies long for movement. And when we maybe eat things that we wouldn't normally eat or things that are, um, you know, maybe more unhealthy or, um, That I I don't know about everyone, but at least for me, like, I'm very much affected by that. There's certain foods that I eat that I feel more tired. um,
0: Yeah, and I know for me, like, if I am laying on the couch all day watching a Netflix documentary on tigers or whatever, like... (laughs) I am, for example. <laughs> for example, um, but no free shout outs, but, um, I am way more motivated to be like, well, I'm just going to eat some chips and mm-hmm. I'm not going to put forth the effort to make a good dinner or something. It's just like my body positioning literally affects kind of the decisions I make throughout my day as far as like, am I going to eat something good? It's amazing how, when I work out on these days, like my motivation to eat something good is just so much higher.
1: Right. Yeah. And I love chips. So like, there's no hate against chips. Oh yeah. Um, me but too. It's just, it's just all a balance, right? Like let's make sure like we're feeding our bodies and like nutrients that we need and just being aware of that. Um, and then obviously we've talked about soul, but, um, you know, and I think what I would like to say here is this, this is not like a legalistic, like how many minutes have you had a quiet time today? You know, um, I think like God is with us as we go. And it's not in this, like, legalistic way, but how right. are we inviting God into our day? Um, how are we open to maybe what he has for us in the season instead of trying to just make it through, like, actually praying about, okay, God, like, what do you have for me? What are you calling me to? Um, I think, obviously, he is the source of our peace and comfort. And so it is so important to be grounded and rooted in him um, because all of this. Um I think as, as Christians, as believers, that is just a huge, um, it just makes a huge difference. You know, like I, it's hard for me to think about going through this season and not having faith or, um, not having the Lord to rely on, like that seems very challenging. And so I'm so thankful for the peace of Christ and that, that he is in this with us and that he hurts with us and he feels with us. Um, and then the other, the other part is heart. And so I think by that, I would think about, okay, how am I engaged? And how am I investing in relationships? Something that um, Alex and Hannah Absalom reminded me and Matt of a few weeks ago when we talked to them was input. They
0: get a free shout
1: out. Yeah. (laughs) Look them up.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Input affects output. And that really stuck with me because I'm like, yeah, 100 percent, whatever we are taking in is what's coming out or how it's affecting us. And so I think that hmm. can look a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I think that very directly talked about, like, you know, how does media consumption affect us? Um, totally. You know, That's what and, and pre- maybe preachers have
0: used Jesus's teaching on kind of this idea, probably like for a long time, you know, like that that passage where Jesus is like, it's not what goes in that defiles a person, but what comes out. <laughs> and the the number of times i've heard that almost used tritely um to kind of be like make sure you're not watching anything above pg or whatever and um it's almost like because of that i think my reaction was to be like well that must not be true at all because how i experienced it wasn't how i wanted to experience people teaching on this so i'm just going to throw it out but you're saying like there's some validity kind of in this idea
1: yeah exactly like there's there's hardly anything that's, like, totally neutral, <laughs> um, and, and maybe there is, but there is, like, it's very important that we are, um, that we have intentional input, right? That's um, It's not just, I guess I could say it's not just neutral input, like, we need to have intentionally good things that we're putting into our mind and our hearts and our bodies and our souls, um, and I think that that is very evident in our thoughts, and in our emotions, and in our days as we navigate this whole process.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like when you speak kind of about heart, it's, um, I guess I'm just trying to understand, like, the differentiation between, like, heart and soul. It sounds like heart is, like, kind of, like, things that really, like, we love, or, like, our love, so, like, the things that we're loving. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And I don't think it's like, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like overly intellectual. I think it's just kind of broad categories that are helpful just to kind of do this assessment. Um, and one thing I also did want to mention is like, if you were to give me this list and said, okay, Kristen, how's your mind, body, heart, and soul? I'd be like, please stop. I'm just trying yeah. to make sure my kids are fed for today <laughs> right. and not pushing each other. Um, and so I don't want it to feel like overwhelming and like we all have to be these like spiritual gurus that have accomplished all this stuff. Um, I think it's all in balance, but I think just being able to think through these and then saying, okay, today, um, just the idea of input and output today, I'm going to focus on maybe um, moving my body or today I'm going to, uh, you know, literally read one verse and just kind of Fine. like meditate on it or, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to text one friend, you know, like it, it can be, again, what is your next right thing? It doesn't have to be all the things. Um, right. but I do think it's important that we start to kind of think through these things, especially, I think we're a few weeks in at this point, And, um, I think, you know, there's all, there's all the grace in the world. Like we're all just figuring out how to navigate this. And I don't think there should be any guilt or shame of like things that we see on social media of other people are accomplishing or doing, um, you know, we all have our own stories and our own experiences. But I think as we move forward and we think about, okay, what is the next month is going to look like or the next weeks? Um, I do think it's important just to be intentional with our input.
0: Definitely. Um, and I think it, it, like, it is true, like, what you're hitting at. Like, this moment, it presents an opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why, like, we're taking time to talk about this because, like, we believe that, God wants to do something in the in the very like real present that we find ourselves, right? Exactly. Um, And that we can actually do things, even when we're confined to our homes, even when we're alone, we can um, see kind of like accept the opportunity God is trying to give us, like just as a gracious gift, Mm -hmm. um, and like use that. And so. One thing that I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on, because you mentioned it earlier, you said you were an Enneagram 9, so I know that the Enneagram is something that you use in your profession, Um, so I'd love to just kind of hear you speak into that, and that can be anything you want to talk about. It can be an intro, it can be, hey, if you're not familiar with it, here's a great podcast to check out, but here's how I use it. Um, Just anything that you kind of wanted to speak on with Enneagram, because I know it's something that can kind of be insider language, but once you know it, it's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear, like, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I love to talk about the Enneagram, and I use it in my work as a therapist. I use it in my work as a spiritual director. I obviously use it for myself personally. It has been the biggest tool for my self-awareness and... Um, I think just for transformation, both emotionally and spiritually in my life. And it has been one of the most helpful tools in, um, in our marriage. Um, I, I think we were, I think Matt and I were married for like five years before we learned about the Enneagram. We were like, where was this five years ago? It just, it
0: yeah, definitely put
1: language to, um, just some dynamics that were going on that we didn't know. We were like, why is this? So hard to navigate, and I think we realized we finally realized with the Enneagram, like, oh, like our brains just work differently, you know, and like that's okay, but it's really helped us just have empathy and compassion for each other's experiences. Um, and then to be able to understand maybe like you know why things were harder to navigate just because we were processing them differently. So I'm a nine wing one, and okay. Matt is a one wing nine, which sounds similar, but they're actually very different. Um And so, yeah, there's so many different ways I can go with this. I'm going to try to keep it concise. If you have not heard of the Enneagram, um, I think a few places to start is the Enneagram Institute website. So there's a lot of information on there, and that's free. And then if you're interested in reading a book, The Road Back to You is very um, accessible. And so I would recommend that as well. I know a lot of people have taken the Enneagram tests, and while right. I think that can be helpful and maybe pointing to your number, um, I think the most helpful way is to be able to read about the types and just be able to identify what resonates with you. Um, right. The biggest thing about the Enneagram, I think, is sometimes people only know a little bit about the surface level, and they think it's like another personality test. Um, or a horoscope. Yes, exactly. Um, and it is actually a tool that's been, it's like a very ancient tool that's been used for um, for generations within the church specifically because it's a tool for, um, spiritual growth. And so a personality test maybe would tell us like, here's your personality, here's your strength. And the Enneagram is different because it kind of, it just highlights your growth areas, um, which ends up mm. being pretty painful. Um, and so you're like, oh yeah, great. I definitely want to study that. Yeah. Um, but it is so enlightening because I think when we are, aware of our shadow self or our false self it's kind of enneagram language okay then we can then we can start to grow and spirit to heal um and that can be really powerful so just in the past couple years like there's just been through the enneagram it's given me um awareness and language for some of the things going on inside of me um That I've been able to like navigate a little bit better. And so some people also think like there's only nine types of people, and um, that certainly is not true. We say if every right. number was a crayon and there's infinite shades of that color, if a four is a red, there are infinite shades of red. And so it can look very different. Um, but a lot, a lot of it, you that know, that is has one to do thing with, I hear. Uh
0: huh. Sorry
1: about go the
0: ahead. nine types was- of people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one thing I hear is like a like a critique often is like, well, I can't believe this because there can't be only nine types of people. Right. Um, and that's like something I just hear very often. It's like, there's too many people in the world throughout all of history to only have nine or something yep. like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is interesting because there are there are patterns over, you know, there's there's patterns of humanity and um I think the Enneagram just kind of helps name some of those patterns or thought processes. So um, yeah, Typology is the podcast that is a great resource. I know that you know a lot of, I don't know, do you have a favorite Enneagram podcast or resource that you would recommend?
0: I would say that Typology was probably the one that's been the most helpful to me personally. Um, Mm -hmm. That and The Road Back to You, I think even the podcast do a great job just hearing people's thoughts and like it's if you've never experienced the Enneagram or never worked with it at all then kind of like what Kristen said like once you are able to discern your type um not necessarily like what type you tested as but like who you are um and then you hear someone who is that same type as you go on the podcast and you hear them speaking about their experience and it sounds so similar to your own and even not even like the things they did, but why they did the things they did. Um, it was just for me like so eye opening. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Um, I I could talk about this all day, and there's like so many different directions <laughs> that we could go. Um, I will not do that for the sake of time. But something that I did want to just kind of read is the lost childhood messages. Um, so this is there's like so many different branches of. Um, like Enneagram implications and things about each number and so um I'm not necessarily going to explain like the why these are the lost childhood messages but I just right. wanted to read them for each type for people that do know their types and um I think it's just helpful to think about like does this resonate with me because um, I know when I heard mine it was like it was like oh wow like that feels very healing um I don't know mm. about you Brooks but maybe we could get your thoughts after I read through these um
0: so we could, we could try I don't know yeah. how. I don't know <laughs> if I'll be ready, but we'll see. Uh,
1: and these are kind of like, there are things that we've internalized, like maybe uh, narratives that aren't necessarily true about ourselves. And so this is kind of the um, this is kind of the the truth or what we need to hear because of that. So again, we could go into that another time, but. I will just read these truths over you. So type ones, um, I want you to know that you are good. Type twos, or I guess we could say the Lord wants you to know that you are good. Um, I think that's important. It's okay. If,
0: maybe they just need to hear that Kristen Moore thinks this about them.
1: Yeah, also Kristen Moore.
0: <laughs> Got <ain't> it. <Kristen. laughs>
1: but more importantly, the Lord. Um, type twos, you are wanted. Type threes, you are loved for yourself. Type fours, you are seen for who you are. Type five, your needs are not a problem. Type six, you are safe. Type seven, you will be taken care of. Type eight, you will not be betrayed. Type nine, your presence matters. So I know for wow. me, when I, when I heard that and when I opened myself up, I um, to the Lord saying like, Hey, Kristen, like your presence matters. Um, it was really healing for me. And I wasn't even sure why I wasn't even sure why that was a lost childhood message for me. Um, I couldn't point to like the wounding, but that felt like healing to me. Um, so that's something that I keep coming back to over and over again. And so I'm so thankful for the Enneagram to just open me up to be able to hear the words the Lord speak directly, um, to my type nine self.
0: No, definitely. Um, so I don't know if, you wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with it. But if you would, um, could you just, like, it doesn't have to be super personal or anything, but could you just kind of speak into some of the ways in which you've seen the Enneagram help your personal transformation? So, like, we know that you're a nine. Um, mm-hmm. For those of us who maybe know a little bit about what a nine is, Like, how have you seen this tool helpful in your own life? Like, what's a personal example? It doesn't have to be super deep or anything, but something that you've seen as helpful.
1: Sure, yeah. So, um, type nines are the peacemakers. Um, They value peace and harmony. The kind of false side of that or false self side, shadow side, is that it's um, maybe the false motivation, I guess, would be accessible language is that a lot of that is out of a desire to avoid conflict. Um, And so that means kind of doing things or functioning in a way to reduce conflict in all areas of my life. Right. So this is kind of like if my, if I was just on autopilot, this is how I function and this is how I function a lot of my life. And so um, one way that plays out is like, I'm going to be really easy and go with the flow and not really express my opinions because if I don't have, um, an opinion, then nobody will disagree and therefore we won't have conflict and then I won't be threatened to lose a relationship, right? Um, kind of spirals from there. So it's like, you know, type nines sometimes look like, oh yeah, like I'm good with whatever or whatever you want to do. And people are like, oh wow, like that type nines so easy to be with. Um, and sometimes so it's that comes almost from, like
0: easier to have, I don't want to say this in a mean way, but it's almost easier to have like no preference or strong personality traits for the sake of um getting like continuing to go forward without conflict
1: right yeah and it's not even really um something that is um that I do like consciously like I I think it's almost something that you've you've learned and trained yourself to do because it's not like oh man like I would really love to go eat at this place and they're asking me but I'm afraid to express my opinion like it's like I would feel people like hey Kristen where do you want to go eat and I'm like I'm literally good with whatever. And I meant yeah. that. So I wasn't being dishonest in that. It's right. just like, that's sort of how I learned to function. And I think, um, in a lot of ways that plays out is like, um, okay. So if someone disagrees with me, like I'm more likely to back down, actually don't ask Matt about that. <laughs> he might disagree. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you know, in general, like I'm not going to, um, say something that would like ruffle feathers or, um, I just, ultimately, I just want to blend in, you know, I don't really make, maybe I don't even want to, like, be recognized for my accomplishments, because, like, that feels, that attention feels, like, threatening, because somehow that's related to conflict in my mind, and so, like, I just want to blend in, don't look at me, you know, and this is a little bit of, like, a caricature, but uh, it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways, so, anyway, um, type nine, I think it's, it's, What I've learned is it's important to, um, recognize like that I have thoughts and opinions and that the Lord has gifted me with a unique, um, a unique personality and just the ways that he's created me, um, are important. I think the temptation is to think like, well, I don't really matter. And so these words, like your presence matters, like you, for anybody, like you were made in the image of God, like, therefore your presence matters and we want you to show up. Um, even and if even it results if that, in conflict. Yes. Even if that feels scary or even if it means conflict, um, like show up, be here. And so mm. that's something that I'm learning and trying to grow in. Is like, what does it mean to show up and to maybe even risk conflict? And ultimately, what I have been learning is that it actually create connection. And so I think the fear, kind of the, um, the false idea is like if I show up, it'll create conflict and drive disconnection um, or loss of relationship. Like I can, I can show up and sometimes that that increases connection, um, as I'm allow myself to be known and, and risk, um, maybe disagreeing or, or people not liking me or not liking, um, what I have to say or my opinions, um, you know, I think that that can ultimately drive relationship. And so that's something very interesting. Um, when that you say I'm show up, re-
0: you just mean like... Like um, think, because for a nine, I guess like what I hear you saying is like it would be very easy for you to just kind of be like a fly on the wall or like a like a wallflower. Yeah. And um, when you say show up, you mean like like be kind of aware of your preferences and your giftings and actually kind of like step into them and live into them. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, and uh, and I think just being able to, again, this is kind of why it's different than, like, a personality assessment is because all this is rooted in spirituality and, like, okay, what does God have for me, you know? Um, and maybe by, like, standing in the background or not being willing to, um, you know, show up in different ways or engage in different ways out of fear of conflict, like, I may be missing out on some things that he would call me to, you know? And I think ultimately faith is worth the risk, right? It's worth the risk that someone right. would disagree with me or, um, hmm. or, or maybe there would be conflict. And, and I think just having faith that like, even if there's conflict, like the Lord is there and like, he would be with me in my conflict and like, that would be very unpleasant for me to feel like someone was upset. Um, right. or that caused conflict? But like, that God's there too, you know, and I don't have to, I don't have to be afraid of that or I don't have to like operate my life to avoid conflict at all costs. Um, because like he's in it and he's with me.
0: Yeah. And I think that like so much of this is hitting on something that is I'm learning in this season. Um, especially of like quarantine is that, um, obviously there's a place to process our emotions. And we talked earlier about how we should process our emotions and, try to do them in a healthy manner. But for a lot of us, like this season, um, in order to kind of pursue Jesus and spiritual growth in this season, it's going to mean doing a lot of things that don't necessarily feel natural to us or don't necessarily feel like the things we want to do. Um, And I think it's really easy for a lot of us to look at that and be like, oh, well, like that's not very – very authentic to our desires. And I think it's important to, yes, like pay attention to our experience and like give them like validation and process our emotions in a healthy way. But at the same time, like what you're saying, like push beyond maybe our first instinct of what we feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Because we all have these kind of like shadow sides that are that we need to like learn to kind of work through, I guess. Is that like language that you would use or like how would you kind of speak into that?
1: Um yeah, I think definitely sometimes our impulses especially in line of the Enneagram um may not be the thing for us like our kind of go-to coping strategy so for nines the um the go-to is to narcotize so just to kind of like let me get on social media let me watch Netflix and just kind of just forget everything that's going on right right um and so while that feels easy and good um, that may not be the best thing. And so just kind of being aware of those things. And um, again, kind of going back to what we talked about, um, what is the next right thing for me? And maybe that feels hard or that feels stretching. Um, but I think it's worth it. And I think that um, like there is there is growing to do. I think there is health to be experienced. And ultimately, I think there is um, healing in just the witness of the Lord in this season.
0: Yeah, um, man, everything that you've been saying reminds me of this quote that I read um, recently. It's, I think it's from Ronald Rollheiser. It says, time must be properly budgeted for the gathering of inner strength and resolve in order to compensate for our weaknesses when spiritual warfare actually begins. Mm -hmm. And um, man, like I just hear like so much of that in like the Enneagram language and we could talk about this all day and maybe if there's enough demand, we will do a part two on this, but um, we're coming to the end of our time together. Um, And so what I've kind of been asking everyone before we like get into all the nitty gritty of the closing thoughts and everything is um, really probably the most important question I have today. And that is once we finish this quarantine period and COVID-19 is all over, Um, assuming that life returns to normalcy in Chattanooga, what is the first restaurant you would go to, especially as someone who you've said yourself, there are multiple times where you, if someone asks you where you want to go, you're like, eh, whatever. Well, but now you have the opportunity to choose. Like, so everyone knows on record that this is where you really want to go eat.
1: Oh man, I have strong opinions on this. Um, well, You and I both know that the place that I'd really want to go eat is not in Chattanooga. It's Papacito's in Atlanta for some good Tex-Mex. But I think in Chattanooga, one of my favorite places to go is Loopy's. And I'll tell you why, (laughs) because their pizza is great. They also have calzones, but they have excellent salads and they have really good bruschetta so it's just like a variety of experience um the whole loopy's experience is excellent and they've they're a local restaurant they've been around since i was younger um so i guess i've just been eating there for a long time but love Loopy's, definitely been going there
0: i love loopy's too they catered our wedding, so that's uh, right yeah yeah it was great great. um man that is cool so kristen's going to loopy's when she Gets out of this for the first time in Chattanooga Matt's going to Tremont though, so I guess y'all will have to figure that one out.
1: We uh, are going to both. That's for
0: sure. <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, Kristen, thank you so much just for your time and um, for being able to share like so much of your experience and just your insight as a professional in this field. Um, I think that it is so valuable for for us to kind of have this information and just listen to it, and so um is there anything that you wanted to just kind of say as like closing thoughts or like if it was like maybe like one thing you want to take away from i don't know whatever you want to close with um what do you kind of just want to say to us in, as you, as we head out
1: hmm. man um yeah i think just that we're not alone in this mm. um and that while we're having a universal experience, we're all experiencing it differently. And I think it's important to push back on comparison, like just because our thing isn't the same as someone else's doesn't mean that we can't grieve it too, or feel however we want to feel. Um, and so I think it's important to recognize our experience. I think it's important to connect with others, to know that we're not alone and ultimately um, just to connect with God and to allow him to heal us. And so I, I, mentioned this earlier, but, um, as a spiritual director, um, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask, but also that my spiritual director asks me, and it's always very challenging, um, but helpful is she'll say, Kristen, what is God's invitation to you in this season? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think that would be my closing thought is for people that are up for it to maybe think about and pray about, or just create space and ask God. What is your invitation for me in this season? And then just listen and see what he says.
0: Yeah. And so if, for example, someone was listening to this and after processing, they were like, man, like my invitation is to reach out to someone and to talk to someone about this stuff for the first time. Um, Would you like, I don't know how it works with like counseling and stuff. What if someone was in our church body and was like, man, like I really resonated with so much of what Kristen said in this like I want to just like say hey to her and then I appreciate her is that something like you're open to from this or can people reach out to you after hearing kind of like some of your story and all of that
1: yeah for sure I love that feel free to reach out and um, you know I'm always happy to talk or listen and if someone was interested in um, beginning therapy then I have a lot of therapist friends um, in the community that don't go to our church and so that's um, sometimes more that feels more safe for people um, right. to just have that separation. I think that's pretty healthy. So I'm always happy to give referrals or talk about next steps with emotional health or therapy or whatever that looks like for somebody.
0: Awesome. Well, if you want to get in touch with Kristen after hearing this, um, if honestly, if like you're, you're praying and you're like, God, what are you inviting me into right now? And that looks like therapy in this season, but you don't know where to start. Um, please like email me. It's brooks, B-R-O-O-K-E-S at citycollectivechat.com. Chat with two T's. And um, I would love to put you in touch with Kristen and y'all can begin that process together. Um, Even if it's like she said, a referral or helping you find where to start, um, we would love to help you with that. And so hopefully this time has been a blessing to everyone. Um, I know it has been a tremendous blessing to me. And um, there is just so much... Like good that can come out of this season for us, and like Kristen has like mentioned, like it is going to be feel really difficult things, and that's totally okay. But um, you are not in this alone, and so my prayer is that through listening to this, that we would remain connected, um, and that like in that, that we would know that we are a part of a family that belongs to the God who is the king of the universe and he is redeeming all things and restoring all things for his glory. And so City Collective, if you are listening, that is my prayer for y'all today, that that truth would just guide us as we continue to go about that day. So um, for Connected, this has been Brooks and I hope that y'all have a fantastic rest of your day.